can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Our memory verse, John 3.16. Hopefully you know it. Let's share it together. Would you mind standing as we share the Word of God together? Ready? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have. Now, as you're being seated, hug, hug your neighbor and just tell them how much you love them. In February, I, I did the first message in this uh, little series, Love, Relationships, in the Church. And uh, two or three times through the year, I'm going to have just single Sundays in between series that um, I'm going to come back to this message series. Love, Relationships, in the Church. And uh, today is the second installment of this so X and O, hugs and hugs and kisses, right? Uh, I'm going to be today in First Samuel, chapter 18. So if you have those Bibles that you held up available, open it up to First Samuel chapter 18. We're going to be in verses one through four, and we're going to talk about friendship and loving friendships. That we can have in life. Uh, this is a story, and I want to focus on the story of David and Jonathan and the relationship that they had and the love they had for each other. So, if you have your Bibles open to 1 Samuel chapter 18, beginning at verse 1, let me read and you follow along. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. How many of you have what you consider to be a lot of friends? Raise your hand. Okay. Of those lots of friends that you have, how many of you really really believe one, two, three of them are really friends. Okay. Now, when I say it that way, they're different than this group of friends, right? That little group. Now, why is that? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. One of the biggest reasons is you're vulnerable. The smaller the group, the more vulnerable you become. 
Who should be, if you're married, who should be your best friend? Husband or wife, whichever one that applies to. I hope that's what you thought of. I hope you didn't say, well, it's Billy Bob. (laughs) It shouldn't be Billy Bob or a sister or sister sledge or whoever it is. It shouldn't be that person. It ought to be whoever you've got as your mate. That should be your best friend. You see, that's what makes marriages last is you marry your best friend. Right? And as you grow older together, guess what? That friendship deepens, doesn't it? Cindy and I have been married 40, how many years? Somewhere, 40 plus. 40 plus years. She could tell you exactly how many. It's been more of an endurance blessing for me. But going through the illness that I've been battling last Seems like two or three years. Boy, has it deepened our relationship in a way that I never thought it could get any better. But it's gotten a lot better. I see in her, wow, what a blessing I, I have that God sent me. Except for accepting Jesus as my Savior, that's the next best decision I've ever made. Right there. Little five, I call her my five-footer. And that's when I stretch her up tall. I can get her to five foot. I love her more today than I've ever loved her or anybody else. Even my own children. Grandkids are bumping there, but boy, they're not quite there yet. Charles Spurgeon, powerful preacher of yesteryear, said, I would rather be chained in a dungeon, wrist to wrist with a Christian, than to live forever with the wicked in the sunshine of happiness. Samuel Johnson said, A man should keep his friendships in a state of constant repair. Isn't that a great statement? There's an ancient Greek city noted for its honey. Honey came from Heraclea. I hope I'm saying that right. But it was, And it was sweet to the taste. And it exhilarated everybody who ate it. But the reason that it was so good is that it had been poisoned with the nectar of aconite. The aconite is a member of the buttercup family. And when the bees would gather its nectar to make the honey, it was fatal to those who then would consume it. That story bears witness to there are friends who entertain thrill and excite us, but like Heraclea's honey, there's deadly poison in those some of those types of friends. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Your mother always said it this way, be careful who you hang around, because you will become like them if you hang around them long enough. 
young young ladies growing up. Why is it, well, let me just speak to you for a moment. Why is it that when your mother said, don't go with that boy, you would instantly go with that boy? What did your mother know that you didn't know? She knew a lot. And why did you go ahead and go with that boy? Because you're ornery and you're mean and you're nasty and stupid. I say that very boldly. Because I was one of those boys that your mother warned you about years ago. Boys, why is it that whenever your mother says, don't go with that girl, you would stop and go with that girl? See, those rebellious streaks run through all of us, don't they? And in our relationships, we have to be careful because we want to always build relationships that are, honor- that are pleasing and honorable to God. People make huge mistakes minimizing the impact that friendships and other people can have on our lives. All of our sorrows can be traced to friendships with either wrong people or right people, depending on who we choose to hang around and who we chose to hang around. Because everyone that we encircle around us will affect us. I have a friend who claims he doesn't have any friends. You know anybody like that? How can they be a friend if they don't have friends? Not very well. (laughs) So we've got to always, and if we're going to be a friend, and have a friend, we've got to be a friend. Amen? Amen? One of the challenges I put on the back of your uh, connection card this week was, how can you be a better friend this week? How can you be a better friend this week? What can you do to improve your ability to be a friend? Well, let me give you some biblical mandates for it. In John 15, it says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servant, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friend, for all things I have I heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Ecclesiastes 9, uh, chapter 4, verse 9 says, Two are better than one. I love these passages. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Let me give you some passages about friendship in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. Friends will stick with you. 17, 17, friends will not jump ship when the going gets rough. 18, 24, friends are scarce. 
26, 18 and 19, friends will be sensitive to your feelings. 27, 6, friends will speak the truth to you. Well, that's a true friend, isn't it? Someone who tells you the truth. Husband, do you remember when your wife first came to you and said, How do I look in this dress? Never answer that question. Except with the affirmative, I've never seen you look better. Amen? It's true. I didn't tell you a lie. You've never looked better. Of all the women I've ever seen in a dress, you're certainly one of them. That's a good answer. No, it's not a good answer. 27 verse 9, friends will be available for counsel. I love 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron. Friends will sharpen you. Let them. Ask them. But be ready. We've got to understand how important that friends are to each of our lives. They're critical. You've got this group, especially if you're on Facebook or Twitter. Man, you've got this group of friends. But in this group, you're going to come down to just a few that you can truly call friend. Amen? The ones who you'll open your heart to. The ones you'll be transparent with. Dave and Jonathan. What are some things that led to this friendship? Well, in 1 Samuel 18, actually 18, chapters 18 through 20, describes this relationship between Dave and Jonathan. It was an extremely close and incredible relationship that these two men had. As time progressed, uh, they actually became brothers in law, because David married Michael. But events that would cause David to have to flee to the wilderness, still in the midst of that chaos and that uh, incredible, incredible events, Jonathan's relationship and friendship with David was amazing. And I can see through their relationship, God's grace and God's mercy. Have you experienced that through a friend that you have who's been willing to just accept you for who you are, what you are, as they say, warts and all? I'm telling you, that's a true friend, isn't it? That's the type of friend that we all want. But oftentimes we'll never get until we learn to become one ourselves. David had to pass through the consequences of Saul's jealousy. He struggled not to retaliate against Saul, a king who was intent on getting rid of David. He saw David as a threat to his throne. Irregardless of the relationship with his son, Jonathan, he saw him as a threat. And David had to deliberately ignore 
Saul's ill will that he harbored in his heart for David. And that's oftentimes hard to do. Perhaps you've been that one male or female that the mother said don't hang around, and yet your friendship with that child of that parent was so strong that you were willing to work around that negativity to still have that relationship. At the opening of the very dark trial, God sends to David a friend who can sustain him. Jonathan, God used to prepare David to be the great king that was to follow Saul. And even those who don't know how much there is in the Bible or things in the Bible, they still know that story or have heard that story of how David killed the giant Goliath. That victory put him in the crosshairs of the king who wouldn't allow David's success to overshadow him and who he was and what he thought he was. But in the midst of that, Jonathan comes along and literally is the one who had the least to gain and the most to lose by becoming a friend to David. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, if you would, in your Bibles, look in chapter 20 at verse 3 with me. It says, Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. David understood that he's just as close as he could be to death. That's why he was on the run. And his his running had caused uncertainty to gain the upper hand in his mind. He could not see himself escaping from the bitter hatred of Saul, rage of Saul. Knew nothing would satisfy Saul until he had crushed him and put him in the grave. So David cries out, there's but a step between me and death. Sometimes just that step alone can blur our eyes, can't it? You may get a health challenge. You may be facing a financial challenge. You may be facing a relationship challenge. And you may feel that you're just one step from total chaos in your life. Well, I'm here to tell you, That God can deliver you in that 11th hour. I'm here to tell you that God can restore instantly what the locusts have eaten away. I'm here to tell you, I'm living proof that God can bring healing if you let Him. If you let Him. Now here's the thing. He may not do it the way you want it done. He may not bring it the way you want it brought. He may very well just bring it 
in a way that you never thought possible. You might be laying flat on your back in a hospital room in a bed that you're not supposed to get up out of. He may bring it in the form of an infection in your body that will cause you to lay on your back and there's only one way to look and that's up. There's a song the Imperials used to sing called He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't lift us up to let us down. He didn't move away. We're the ones that have moved away. So you see, when you're developing your friendships on this side of glory, don't forget to continually develop that friendship with God. Because He, we, are going to spend forever together. Think about that for a minute. You're going to have friends here that you're going to lose through death. Either yours or theirs. Amen? The impact of their friendship will always be on your life. But they physically won't be here. However, with God, that's we're with Him now. He's going to have us with Him forever. Wouldn't it be smart to be developing that relationship? Wouldn't it be smart to do that? Yeah. We should be doing that. Also in chapter 20 of 1 Samuel, in verse 1, is mentioned Naoth in Ramah. Names mean something. And names in the Bible mean something. Naoth means house or habitation. And Ramah means height or high place of God. And so, David and Jonathan were connected in Naoth and Ramah, meaning the house or high place of God. So God had them together, and the place that they were together had meaning. When you and I come together, why do we do the hug and howdy every Sunday? So you can get a chance to hug each other. And get hugged. Some of you don't get hugged through the week. I know. You can tell it on your face when you come in the door. (laughs) You little lip all puckered out and need somebody to hug you. There's just something powerful about a hug, isn't there? There just is. Now, I'm not saying lather up with each other and slobber over each other. I'm not saying that at all. But there's just something special about a hug or a handshake or a pat on the back. Amen? Yeah. If you want a good hug, have Charlotte hug you. Charlotte knows how to hug. Some people know how to hug. Charlotte, wave at everybody so they know who you are. There you are, right there. Okay, if you haven't been hugged by Charlotte, get a, get a hug before you leave. She only charges a dollar a hug. That's all right. No, she gives away freely. Again, I'm not saying lather each other up, but just hug each other. It's okay. Don't mean anything by it. Your name isn't Joe Biden. It's okay. I'm going to laugh a little bit, would you? It's okay. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just 
Just laugh. Come on. I often wondered what went through Saul's mind when he couldn't tolerate David. You ever not like somebody so much you didn't want to be around them? Couldn't stand it? What happens if they, if, when you get to heaven and you look up and they're there? What are you going to do? Be as surprised to see them as they will be to see you? Yeah, <laughs> probably so. But wouldn't it be smarter for us to begin to get along now because we are going to have to spend some eternal time together? We need to figure out how to get along. We need to figure it out. First Samuel chapter 20, verse 2, look at that one. So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Then jump over to verse chapter 23, and verses 16 and 17. And this is going to describe for us what a true friend looks like. To Jonathan, then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. You see, there's a lesson there. And when evil is intended, God can take and make good. Even when evil is intended, God can take that and make good. If you let Him. If you trust Him. If you walk in Him. And what we try to do in the physical realm, God can change in the spiritual realm. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Now, what I want to do here is begin to lay the groundwork for the characteristics that we ought to display and grab hold of. But there's four types and distinct relationships. This isn't in your outline, so write this down somewhere. There's, David is trying to do what's right. And, and there's four distinct relationships that are evolving in his life. One of them is submission. He's learning about the relationship of submission to Saul. There will always be someone over you. There will always be someone in charge of you. Ultimately, it's God, isn't it? And through God, it's going to be different people. If you're married, you have a spouse. If you are employed, you have a boss or multiple bosses. What I discovered in the hospital is is there is a hierarchy. I learned how to be a gracious, have a gracious bedside manner this week. And I learned how not to do it. The young guns called orthopedic surgeons came in. And the first thing they said was, we're usually called in to cut off people's limbs. That's basically what he said. I suggested to the nurse that they start getting a uh, toy saw. 
that makes noise. And when they walk in the door, don't say anything, just start doing the soft. Because that's, that's the spirit that they brought into my hospital room this week. It was not, hey, we're here to help you. We're here to improve your life as best we can. They said, we're here to cut your leg off and see you later. That's the, that's the impression they left. And so when they left, I was grateful. And then on Thursday, when they came in and signed themselves off of my case, I, I felt like they were disappointed that they had to do that because they had to do it without my leg in their hands. Wow. I wonder sometimes if we haven't been friend, treated our friends like that and how we speak to them, how we either show we care or don't care. You know, it's important. It's important how we treat people. Even those that are in, that we're in to be submission to. Dave is also learning to develop a relationship of friendship with Jonathan. He's also developing his relationship of evaluation as a hero in the eyes of Israel. Man after God's own heart. Couldn't keep his eyes Focused on the cross, could he? A relationship of opposition with Saul that lasted for years and years and years. He was on the run, David was. In all these areas of his life, God's hand is on David, helping him to develop. His destiny been determined. And with that destiny, God... Moves people in and out of his life. Like a game of chess. Improving, developing, giving clarity. And doesn't that happen to us? Doesn't God bring people in and through our life to help us see things more clearly? If we will but open our eyes to see them. Get the blinders off. Jonathan, chapter 18, verse 1 of 1 Samuel. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Oh, I love that. The idea of knitting literally means a steel chain, links joined together. I think of a big chain link that you can't pull it apart. It's, they're held together. They're welded together. They're strong together. That's friends. Let me give you real quickly three characteristics about friendship that are worth embracing. Number one, being willing to sacrifice. Being willing to sacrifice. Okay? I want to show you a video. It's uh, from the life of James Brown, the famous singer. And the band that he had, um, called the Famous Flames. I was trying to remember the name. Famous Flames. 
and an incident that happened in their in their career and a decision that had to be made and a potential sacrifice that needed to be made. Jeff, if you would. James, I'd like you to meet somebody. James, this is Ben Bart. Ben is the president of Universal Attractions, New York's biggest booking agency. Hey, man, great show last week over in Jersey. You blew the roof off the place. Thank you, sir. We, uh, we try real hard to do our best. Well, not we, James. Not the famous flames. You, James Brown. James, what Ben is trying to say. You know what Mr. Bart's saying? I heard him. Loud and clear. See where this thing is going. Saw it this morning. Your secretary called, asked me to come in hour early, alone. I knew it was six months ago. And I knew the day I was born. Okay, fellas, I got something to show you. I don't understand. Is this some sort of mistake? James Brown and his famous flame? Sir, this, this ain't right. We agree. I believe it should say simply James Brown. The fact is, gentlemen, James Brown is a powerhouse talent who does not need the famous flames. King Records, Universal are big companies. We do not need the famous flames. James has requested the name remain in some form or another. So, you can stay as salaried employees of James Brown, working on James Brown's records. If this is disagreeable to you in whole or in part, you can go home. James. Bobby, it's just a name. Ain't nothing different between us. That's for everybody. It's gonna be good. James Brown. I ain't never like you. Come on. Let's get out of here. Wrong, James. So, James, do you know what you want? I know exactly what I want. see, the flames had to make a decision, didn't they? And James Brown needed them to sacrifice. And what they decide? What they decide? You see, he already had made his decision, hadn't he? So when you're dealing with friendships, you have to be very careful. Also, look at our text in, in verse 4. 
again, Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword, his bow and his belt. Jonathan wanted to give David something that belonged to him, but even more that it was something that had meaning. Jonathan passed along to David a robe that would help David in his becoming king and the royal courts and even to the point of him having Jonathan's weapons. Jonathan was giving David, in a sense, that robe that would help him gain the access he needed uh, as he became the prince of the kingdom. The gift of those weapons proved that he was uh, interested in David being able to survive the attacks that he was going to face later in the wilderness. Jonathan had already proven himself as a warrior. So by giving him uh, his armor, and uh, it would help protect David against the Philistines that he would later face. So there needs to be a willingness to sacrifice in the development of friendship. Secondly, there needs to be a loyal defense. And Jonathan showed a loyal defense against Saul. In chapter 19, verses 4 and 5, God says this, Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a a cause? Jonathan was proving to be a strong friend when he spoke up in behalf of David, especially to his own dad, Saul. If Jonathan would not have been able to uh, defend his uh, friend David, uh, it would have been an undermining that Saul could have taken advantage of. It could have been uh, so easy for Jonathan to let that take place if he hadn't been motivated from, I believe, from above, from God working through him. Uh, There are very few people who have not experienced betrayal in their life. Could you raise your hand on that one? Been betrayed? Know what it feels like? Not only do we understand it and feel it, have we been a betrayer of others? Boy, now that's a tougher one to face. What kind of friend are you? Are you trustworthy and steadfast in the midst of opposition and trouble? Is your friendship pure in its foundation? Is it based on the right motives? Are you trying to use it to leverage something out of another person? Is your desire for the good welfare and the blessing of your friend? Are you willing to help that friend advance even over yourself? ran across a story this week about a young man in Scotland who was determined to be a physician, worked uh, with much discipline and determination despite poor surroundings and resources. 
he became a physician after a long period of time and went to work with the coal miners in Scotland. It was a job that very few physicians wanted because it was more of a job of filled by assignment than by desire. And once this young man got there and began to work under even the in the worst of conditions, he began to thrive. And his ability as a surgeon became evident. And those around him were taking notice of him. And one in particular, one particular surgeon took notice and began to channel his surgeries toward this young doctor. And the more he did, the better that doctor got. And so, surgery after surgery after surgery, he improved and he improved and he improved to the point where this physician then was able to recommend this young doctor back to Scotland so he could receive more training and improve his skill. Are you willing to look beyond your position to help that friend improve greater things in their life. And then the third thing I want you to see in Jonathan and David is that you need to become a source of encouragement. Again, in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 15 and 16, So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose, went to David in the woods, and strengthened his hand in God. Can you see that? Jonathan, willing to sacrifice, willing to defend, and now willing to encourage. In this 23rd chapter of 1 Samuel, we find David at one of, the very se- at one of several low points in his life. But again... Finding Jonathan, who's coming and giving a gift of encouragement. You'll never know how important that gift of encouragement can be in the life of a friend. A poem written by Ella Wheeler Wilcox entitled, Where Are You?, I think says it all. There are just two kinds of people on earth today. Just two kinds of people, no more, I say. Not the rich and the poor, for to count a man's wealth. You must first know the state of his conscience and health. Not the humble and proud for in life's little span. Who puts on airs is not counted a man. Not the happy and sad for the swift counting years. Bring each man his laughter and each man his tears. No, the two kinds of people on earth I mean are the people who lift and the people who lean. Wherever you go, you find the world's masses are always divided in just two these two classes and oddly enough you will find two I ween there's only one lifter to twenty who lean in which case are you in which class are you are you easing the load of overtaxed lifters who toil down the road or are you a leaner who lets others bear your portion of labor and worry and care true So true. So true. Dwight L. Moody, great evangelist, advised people to do all the good they could do, 
to all the people they could, in all the ways they could, as long as they could. There's nothing that I appreciate more today than nurses who know their trade, who know their skill, and who practice it every day. Who make doctors look smarter than they could ever hope to be. Who will listen to gripey old patients, cantankerous old people, women losing their minds as I laid there all week and listened to a woman scream at the top of her lungs, Help! 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 She would scream out all hours of the day. And nurses who would tend to her gently, graciously, shift after shift after shift. Jonathan did for David and what he did for David we need to do for those around us. No sermon really is worth anything until it causes us to change and to do something. So my challenge to you today is would you go out of here and be a Jonathan? Would you go out of here and find a way to be an encourager, to be a lifter, to not be a leaner, to be a person who brings joy and happiness and courage to those you encounter. Just like the friend that we all have who went to the cross to be a lifter, to be an encourager so that you and I could have life eternal. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I pray that someone today will be an encourager and will be better because they've been here today. God, would you, in each of us, help us to self-examine, help us to look deep and to see what and where we need to grow and how we need to grow, and who we need to help, and who we need to assist. But God, we can't do any of that if we don't have our personal relationship with you intact. So God, today, does someone need to be your friend? Does someone let you need, do they need to let you be their friend? And more than a friend, a Savior. Is there one here today who needs to make a decision in that way. Would you encourage them to do that? And Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not giving up on us. And thank you for going that extra mile with us. But is there one today that's ready to make a decision of some kind? And would they let us know? In Jesus we pray. Amen.